My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Well, welcome to another day as we go through the Word of God. And again, so glad that you're joining me and uh, looking forward to continuing our journey through the book of Proverbs today, where we're going to be looking at the first half of Proverbs chapter 5. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards, uh, Facebook, Anthony P. Richards, Instagram, AP Richards, uh, links are all in the description below. You can see that. And uh, please help me like, comment, subscribe, and share to all these things. Um, by you subscribing, you can, you can help, uh, not just me build up a fan base, but it's really, I just want to get this out there, uh, so that people can understand the, the word of God. That's all. And, uh, I need your help to do that. Uh, I also have podcasts, audio podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, so many different, uh, places. Again, links are always in the description below. And please, uh, let's, let's get this out there. Today we're looking at Proverbs chapter five. And uh, G. Campbell Morgan said, this is a tremendous chapter dealing with a delicate subject daringly and with great directness. So, I, yeah, this is, this is talking about the warning against adultery. And it's, it's done in a way that we need to know this. Uh, now, I don't know, I, I don't know your situation or your circumstance, but I know that adultery has affected a lot of people. Uh, either, you know, it's, something that has been a hurt uh, or caused a massive offence to you, or you have hurt or uh, somebody else and caused a massive offence to them. Uh, please understand that there is nothing in here that is condemnatory. It's not meant to condemn you. It's meant for you to understand the pursuit of wisdom is about knowing about this topic. And maybe if uh, you know you have a different position on this, depending on what role this is, you know, you've played in this, or maybe uh, you've watched somebody else be negatively affected by it. I just want to encourage you to learn from this. Get wisdom, get understanding. I want you to get understanding about what we're going to talk about. Because David uh, had taught this to Solomon, and then Solomon here is teaching it to his own son. And I think that uh, when you look upon the life of Solomon and you look upon the life of David, uh, there's a reason why this topic is so desperately taught because they alone knew at this time what can happen if we fall into the wrong traps when it comes to sexual sin. Now, if you have, please understand that there's repentance, there's restoration, there's redemption all available through the blood of Jesus Christ and the acceptance of his gift on the cross. This is about understanding how to not fall into it again, what why we need to teach our children about it and what's so important for us to know about this. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Solomon knew that his instruction would only be good for his son if his son actually paid attention and listened. Uh, and, and if you're a teacher, whether that be a parent or a teacher in the schoolroom, you have to do your best to gain the attention of the people who are learning from you. It's no good just saying, well, I told them if they didn't listen, it's not my fault that I happen to, you know, have the personality of a house brick. No, if that's you and you've got that maybe slightly, you know, monotone personality, do something to get the attention of people so that they will listen. 
Uh, Alan P. Ross said, in this chapter, wisdom is this, this, the wisdom in this chapter is a man-to-man warning to avoid liaisons with loose women, a theme that is fairly common in the wisdom literature of the Near East. And uh, so Solomon's like, listen, it's no good me telling you what I'm about to tell you if you are not listening and paying attention, okay? Same problems we have with our kids Solomon had with his. Verse 2, that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. Solomon wanted his son to hold on to discretion. Now, what what is that? I'm going to talk about that in a second. He wanted his son to hold on to discretion and to keep knowledge. The idea is that the son started in these things, but now has to face the challenge of remaining in them through his life. And the problem is, is that whenever we gain discretion, now what is that? That's knowing the right thing to do, not discretion as in being quiet discreet about it but it's discretion you know when uh you know you say to somebody listen just use your discretion about which decision you think you should make that's what that's what that's the the uh the meaning of the word here uh but unfortunately whenever we gain discretion knowing the right thing to do we can often lose it and we we're not very good at preserving it uh john a trap this is especially true in regard to sexual matters described in this chapter many men's hearts are no better than stews or brothel houses by reason of base and beastly thoughts and lusts that muster and swarm there like the flies of egypt um yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun in this chapter by the way and and i mean that uh as in what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to really look at this in the true biblical sense and we're going to enjoy the fact that the Bible is trying to enlighten us in something. This is not meant to be a dark topic. It's meant to be a topic of which we are enlightened so that we can run from it. That's the whole point. The devil wants to keep the path dark so you don't know what's down the path. The Bible's shining a light on it saying, no, this is what it is. Verse 3, for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. That explains the reason why it's important for the son to hold on to discretion and knowledge because those things are going to be tested uh, tested by the enticements of an immoral woman. Honey is sweet, oil is pleasant, and, and those things represent the temptations of immorality. Now, it's interesting because he uses the word here, the lips of an immoral woman. Solomon's phrasing here is incredibly powerful. The, the the talking about the lips and the mouth refer to the words of an immoral woman that she's going to use in her enticements and then to no doubt her alluring kisses uh, that come thereafter David Guzik said this the first steps towards immoral associations are almost always made by what is said or communicated this speaks to the great need for men and women to guard their speech and communication with the opposite sex so true. Um, Solomon here focused on the immoral woman, but it was not because he thought the men are always moral and it's just the mainly immoral women who seduce and corrupt moral men. No, Solomon, you have to remember, this is the author of Song of Solomon, was far too wise and astute in the ways of romance and and sexuality to believe anything like that. Uh Solomon focused on the immoral woman because he's writing this to his son. And he sensed that in his son's life, this was going to be the greatest, closest moral danger that his son would fall into. Now, in, in other circumstances, Solomon might have warned him, <coughs> pardon me, against an immoral man. And the principles of seduction that he warned about can, can apply both to men and to women. 
Dwayne Garrett, the adulteress of verse 3 is literally the other woman. That is someone other than the man's wife. Very important point as we continue to go through this chapter. Now, let's talk about honey and oil and why they are used by Solomon. In Solomon's day, uh, some women had the ability to attract and allure men with the sweetness of honey and the pleasantness of oil. That's what they would use. Uh, now, unfortunately, they would be operating outside the covenant of marriage. Some of those women would use that ability for their own advantage. They, they would they gain something emotional, something material, something sensual, something romantic, some other you know potential gain by using the allure of their sweetness. And and these women were a danger to be warned against. That's what Solomon was talking about. Now, our day is actually not that different from Solomon's, uh, and maybe even worse. I don't know. Modern Western culture is is saturated with with images of alluring women everywhere and their enticement to gain something sweet and pleasant from those images. And and women do it with <laughs> no discretion whatsoever. And I mean that in the other meaning of the word, they're not discreet at all at all about it. Verse four. But in the end. She is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Honey is sweet, but wormwood is actually bitter. And the sweetness in the allure of an immoral woman becomes bitter. And her smooth oil-like pleasantness becomes sharp as a two-edged sword. G. Campbell Morgan. It is a change from honey to wormwood, from the smoothness of oil to the sharpness of a sword, from the path of life to the highway of death. Alan P. Ross. The image of the two-edged sword signifies that a liaison with this woman will, will bring pain and destruction. Why? Because her feet go down to death. The path of an immoral woman leads to death. This is what Solomon's saying to his son. She, she's promising to add life. Oh, if you come with me, your life's going to be so much more exciting. We're going to have so much more fun than you have with your current wife. Um, and, and this is, this is, this is what, uh, he, he's trying to let his son know. This is what she's going to say. Uh, the wise man is going to ponder her path of life. In other words, look at the fruit of her own life. Uh, oh, she's had three marriages. Oh, I, oh, that's, or no, she has this, 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 and this. Whatever it is, looking at the path of her life and then saying, no, nah, I don't think I want to go down the path with you. I'm, I'm good. Her ways are unstable. You can see that in her fruit. The decision to entice someone else into immorality is not a decision that's made by a stable person who wants the best for anybody. Uh, people who are led into immorality often feel they know the motives of their partner in sin. But Solomon rightly observes, you do not know them. You don't, you think you know what's motivating them, but you don't. David Guzik, if the sexual immorality is desired out of a perceived impulse of love, maturity and stability would say, if I really love this person, I would not act against their interests and my own. I will reject this immorality because I do in fact love them and I will express my love only in ways that would honour God and his people. If the sexual immorality is desired out of desire for pleasure or adventure, maturity and stability would say, my desire for pleasure and adventure must not reign supreme in my life. Whatever good I may think may come of this, it is not good and will not bring good. Verse 7. 
Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. You, you, you can sense Solomon's um, tone being incredibly serious as he's saying this. And, you know, no doubt he, he's thinking about how adultery brought a disaster to his father, King David. Um, and, and he doesn't want that to be something that continues to flow through their, their family line and lineage. Verse eight, remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Solomon didn't advise his son, uh, to stay in the immoral woman's presence and then try and test his, uh, ability to resist her seductions. Uh, the best defense is distance and run like the wind. Don't even go near the door of her house. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote later on in 2 Timothy 2, flee youthful lust, run, 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 run. The longer one stays in the presence of the enticement of evil, then the worse the danger actually becomes. And that's what we, why we have to remove our way from, far from her, not only in our presence, but in our heart and our mind. Stop thinking about her. Stop, stop dwelling on her. Uh, dwell on those things which are noble, pure, all the things the Bible tells us to think about. You've got to put away things like pornography. That's why that they, they, all they do is just poison your heart through the thinking of your mind. You've got to put away those enticements that happen all day, every day and set our things, our mind on things above, which I said, you know, comes from, you know, uh, Philippians chapter four, those things that are noble, pure, lovely, etc. Um, uh, Derek Kidner. The New Testament echoes this practical, if seemingly unheroic advice, which could mean in terms of detailed decision, change your job, change which, uh, what your source of news is, break up with that set of friends, take practical steps. Uh, that's what we have to do. We have, to, we have to take very practical steps. Uh, John Trapp actually wrote a proverb about, about this proverb, which I actually really like. He said, he that would not hear the bell, must not meddle with the rope. He that would not hear the bell must not meddle with the rope. If you don't want to hear the bell ringing, then don't touch the rope because if you touch the rope, the bell's going to ring and everybody's going to know what's going on. I love that. I think that's great. Verse 9. Lest you give your honour to others and your years to the cruel one. Solomon is going to describe many things that are lost through sexual immorality and it begins with honour. There is a valid sense of honour that the one who stays pure can actually have. Warren Wearsby, people who commit sexual sins think their problems are solved. Oh, she understands me so much better than my wife does and that life will get better and better. But disobedience to God's laws always brings sad consequences and sinners eventually pay dearly for their brief moments of pleasure. Why? Because they give your years to the cruel one. Adultery, sexual immorality, they ruin lives. And maybe that's happened to you, and I'm sorry if it has. Listen, I know God can restore and redeem. Uh, but this is in here, and we need to know it. Maybe you didn't know it. Maybe that's what happened. God's command is that our sexual relationships can remain only in the covenant of marriage. And that wasn't given to remove fun and pleasure from our life. It was given to add value to our life and pleasure to it. Verse 10. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. This is just a very obvious, we, we know about this repercussion. We don't like to think about it. Uh, Bruce Waltke, uh, you know, in the modern world, many men know what it is to lose their wealth because of adultery. 
The self-inflicted punishment of involving yourself with the unchaste wife is as bad as if the outsiders had plundered the house. Although sexual immorality today may not lead to slavery, it still leads to alimony, child support, broken homes, hurt, jealousy, and lonely people. John Trapp, this sin is a purgatory to the purse or wallet through a paradise to the desires. <laughs> That's what Solomon's saying. Don't do it. It's going to cost you money and it's going to ruin your life. Verse 11. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. The mourning here spoken of is, is it's the worst kind of mourning. It's the Hebrew word neham. Uh, and it's often applied to the growling of a lion. Uh, the, the, uh, Adam Clark says that it's, it's something that we need to understand what it, the, the depth of it. Warren Wearsby says the young man dreamed of pleasure in wanton dalliance. He hoped to find delight. But when the lamp or at the last began to shine, he saw rottenness in his bones, filthiness in his flesh, pains and griefs and sorrows as the necessary consequences of sin. Now, that's what Solomon's warning his son against. Now, understand, this is not condemnatory against you if you've done this. This is you just having the light shone upon the way that God wants us to live. That's all. When your body, why? Your flesh and body will be consumed. Sexual immorality it leads to so many things. It leads to the mental, the breakdown of our mental and our physical health. Um, particularly, look, I know so so many people. Uh, the stress of living a double life uh, just ruins people because they can't handle the stress and 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 all the the lies that they've got to continually make up and remember. Alan P. Ross, the point of these verses is clear. The price of infidelity may be high for everything that one works for. Position, power, prosperity can be lost either through the avaricious demands of the woman or the outcry for restitution by the community. Verse 12. And I say, how have I, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. One of the, the great prices uh, of sexual, sexual immorality is regret. Uh, when we see how empty the promises of sin actually are, and how great the price is that needs to be paid for those sins, uh, then, then deep sorrow and regret is just, that's just what follows after that. And many people, men and women have fallen into the snare of sexual immorality. And they've, then they've wondered, how did I end up here? I don't even know how I got here. How could I be so stupid? How could I be so foolish? How could I give up so much for what basically came out to mean so little? Uh, now there's two different thoughts on whether these, uh, are, are either sincere words of repentance or insincere words of repentance that Solomon is talking about here. So let me give you both sides. Matthew Poole thought that these were not sincere words of repentance. He said this, which are not the words of a true penitent mourning for and turning from his sin, but only of a man who is grieved for the sad effects of his delightful lusts and tormented with the horror of his own guilty conscience. However, John Trapp thought that it could describe true repentance. Oh, what a wretch, what a beast, what a maddened devil was I, so woefully to waste the fat and marrow of my dear and precious time, 
the flower of mine age, the strength of my body, the vigor of my spirits, the whole of mine estate in sinful pleasures and sensual delights. Lo, here is a kind of repentance, which though late, yet if it were true, would be accepted. Verse 14. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. When the adulterer thought that something that they could keep secret forever was eventually exposed, um, he realized that he started off thinking, nobody's ever going to find out. But when it was exposed in the midst of the assembly, then all of a sudden his foolishness, uh, betrayal, his lack of self-control, all made public. John A. Trapp, no unclean person can have any assurance that his sin shall always be kept secret. Um, and that's the truth. That, that, that applies to every part of sin in our life. You, the, there's, the Bible says what, what's hidden will be revealed and hidden sin is going to be revealed. And, uh, that should give you a little bit of fear of the Lord. And when I say fear, I mean as in the genuine fear of the wrath of God, uh, because you need to, you need to repent of that sin and stop sinning and move on, uh, into what God has for you. So I'm going to leave it there for today. And I, I want to encourage you, please let's embrace this and teach our children. Let's teach our children this the same way that Solomon wanted to teach his children. This is not just for adults. Think about this. If you had been taught this as a child, would your life have looked different? I don't know. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Uh, but this is something we're meant to teach our children to keep them from going on and off, uh, keep them on certain paths and stop them from going off on to other paths. And again, I want to reiterate to you, listen, if this is you and you've, you have this, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're almost embarrassed to look at this today or you're feeling horrible. Please don't. Listen, condemnation comes from the devil and that uh, uh, condemnation is false guilt. Okay. Condemnation says, that's you. Look, you've done it before. You're going to do it again. Why are you even trying this Bible stuff? You know, you don't have the power to do it. Actually says something that's true. He says, you know what? You, you, you've never been able to stop this in the past. You'll never be able to stop it again. That's true. If you don't rely on the power of Jesus Christ, because Philippians 4 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and you are now trying to live a life where you are strengthened by Christ to make different decisions. Don't live in the condemnation that your life has been ruined by past choices. The apostle Paul uh, was responsible for the murder of Christians and yet was chosen by God as the, the apostle to start the church of the New Testament and to be one of the greatest Christians who ever lived and to get to the end of his life and say, I've finished the race, I've fought the fight, I've done everything God asked me to do. So it doesn't matter what you have lived up until you're watching this video. What matters is what decision you make now and what decisions you make tomorrow and between now and whether either Jesus comes back or your time on this planet is 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 done. Uh, so that, that's an encouragement to you today, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for everybody watching this. Encourage them, bless them, be with them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.